you have been cordially invited to the Eternal Slumber Party. I'm waiting for the album release so we can get a vibe of the song and then I'll design. Um, and then we can make that extra content somewhere on the internet. Perfect. But hi, how are you? I see, so you know how we were talking about how, like, I just don't have a lot of mental capacity for everything. Yeah. I sent you the video of what my office looks like today. Yeah. For those at home who are not in my personal contacts list first of all sucks to be you second of all they turned the front entry of my financial based company office into a video studio for them to interview all of us complete with soundstage signs recording sign makeup artist boom mic damn you had a whole makeup artist in Oh, yeah. So that picture that I sent you who did my makeup, that was literally a professional makeup artist did that. Oh. I mean, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, literally, I looked at it and I was like, I look insane. And everyone else was like, you look great. I sent it to King and do you know what he told me? What? He goes, did Kirsty do that? Because you look just like Kirsty. <laughs> that. I was like, there's no way in hell I look like Kirsty. What the fuck are you talking about? But thanks, because Kirsty always looks great when she does her makeup. Thank you. Like. I'm going to push back. Thank you. I do always look great when I do my makeup. It's giant false eyelashes because they distract you. Yes, that's the idea. There was no eyeliner on your eyeballs. There was no eyeliner. That mascara was that mascara I put on at 730 that morning. My eyebrows done by me. If there's not at least a little bit of eyeliner, it's not my makeup. I have not. If I'm wearing makeup, there is there is liner and it has been that way since seventh grade when i was a tiny little emo baby doing panda eyes yeah my face is not complete without eyeliner i i will reach my peak human when i start wearing eyeliner again every day currently i only do mascara and i brow stuff so that i don't look like i look right now in which i look like i have no facial hair like at all See, I have to say it's one of my favorite, like one of my favorite things about having dark hair is I have eyebrows and lashes because I've had a lot of friends with light colored hair who that is always their biggest like complaint is they, you can't see eyelashes, you can't see eyebrows. Counter argument. You can't see body hair. Yeah, no, you haven't shaved in six months. Yeah, you can see my body hair. You can look across the room and be like, she hasn't shaved. (laughs) You wake up in the morning and the teeny tiny little black hairs are coming in and it's like, hello, we're here. Hey, what's up? We've missed you. (laughs) Mother, we're back. Mother, I'm here. (laughs) Mother, mother, we crave violence. Mother, mother, we crave, (laughs) crave for attention. So anyways... That was my day. I literally did a professional level interview for my job today and talked about 
how I wasted my 20s on art school and moving across the country twice. I mean, what else are your 20s for? I think I did my 20s right. You know, I'm I'm almost 29. I found my like good permanent job. I'm in my apartment settled in for a while. I'm going to be here for a while. I think I did it right, you know. I went through I the whole alcoholism phase. I went through the bad relationship phase. I went, you know, drove across the country four times, something like that. I think I'm good. I think I'm I'm ready to enter my 30s. That seems like a really eventful day, time, since we've last recorded. Oh, which, my God. Yeah. Um, this was sprung on us on Monday. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was this close to being like, I have food poisoning. <laughs> like, oh, I would have been an instant. Yeah. So how are you? How's your week been since we last talked so i do want to address it on the podcast we are going to a bi-weekly format oh right a plethora right. of reasons yeah um the the plethora of reasons being me <laughs> here's the thing we're gonna make one here at eternal slumber party podcast in our podcast bible bylaws we do have a clause creators over content which is essentially we need to make sure that we are doing good things for us the creators over the content that we make. Um, so we are going to drop down um, for a plethora of reasons. Mario, me, just was not sustainable to keep doing weekly content. We are two people who work full-time jobs, not in this industry. We both yeah. live full lives. Like We do not get paid for this. this so is our, This is us having fun. So in order to keep having fun doing this, yeah, we're going to go down to every other week. Yeah, so enjoy that. We are doing some other content changes, uh, which will lead me to how my week was, because Taylor Swift. Oh, right. <laughs> we, okay, I was I want, like, I'm shocked record. she didn't bring up Taylor Swift first. She brought up, oh, no, So for the is. record, I have gone a very long time without bringing her up on the podcast. However, that's she, she decided... <laughs> She to said, violence. Eternal Slumber Party needs to start talking about me again. They've gone too long only talking about Twilight. Who is the fuck is Stephanie? I am I need to be talked about now. Stephanie took up too many brain cells in Kirsty's brain. Those are my brain cells. So at the Grammys, 2024 Grammys, she not only make, made history by winning four Album of the Year awards, first person ever in history to do that, but she also announced the Tortured Poets Department which I am so excited for. It's going to come out on April 19th. And in preparation for that album, I am doing a very pretentious club members myself where I'm going through and reading books, poetry, watching movies, classic movies that Taylor has referenced and things based on of all of her um, like song titles. So I've been reading Jane Eyre and I'm so into it. Um, and I'm going to make it everyone's problem. So I hope you enjoy Pretentious Corner, name pending, because uh, I'm going to make everyone listen to my rants on these classic novels and old movies. So, Which also leads us into the other change in our structure, which yes. is that 
we on top of going to every other week we are now going to be splitting because we were reaching a point in which we both wanted to talk about so many different things that we decided to break it up so that we're gonna still have um we're gonna marathons still have episodes joint episodes where, yeah we're still gonna have marathons and we're still gonna have joint episodes where we talk about the same topic together like we've been doing but we're on off weeks so follow me here every other episode that we put out of the podcast is going to now be a show and tell and that is going to alternate between Kirsty and I so for example today I'm doing a show and tell next week we'll do something together and then or next episode we'll do something together and then the episode after that will be Kirsty's show and tell aka Taylor Swift Corner um, AKA the most pretentious podcast you guys are ever going <laughs> to listen to because I'm an, a, unrelated to Taylor Swift. I decided I wanted to start watching more classic movies because Honestly, I wanted, yeah, I want to see these movies that people keep referencing that seem to be constantly referred back to, especially if we're going to do a podcast where we talk about movies and shows. I want to feel like the art bro film school buff that i never was so can i do that but for horror and then we come together on this podcast and just teach each other everything oh see i'd love to do that i also do want to watch more classic horror movies though because i feel like that goes into the whole thing when so. we have a sleepover the next time we have a sleepover i swear to god we are watching the original friday the 13th we're not going to watch it for the podcast like we can do it later down later on down the road but you and i need to watch that movie together it's a fucking comedy and I need to see your reaction so bad. I need to hear you screaming because I, I need it. I need this in my life. So that needs to happen. No, yeah, I'm all, I am all for it, but I have been sucked into a literature hole, a classic movie hole. Um, I'm actually incredibly excited. I found out on Tubi, they have Clara Bow movies. What's Clara Bow? Um, for those who don't know Clara Bow, she is a 1920s actress. She's like the original It Girl. If you look up Flapper, Clara Bow's face is one of the first that comes up. Uh, she was a silent film actress and one of the very few silent film actresses who were able to transition into talkies. Mm. So I'll go and over. She's more. on your list, right? She, you're going to talk about her because I want to hear more about her now. Um, so she will be on my list. She wasn't Good. originally on my list when we were coming up with Show and Tell. wasn't originally on there. She's on there now. She's very firmly cemented. Um, I have a lot of 1920s old Hollywood icons that I just want to talk about endlessly. Perfect. So that's. Genuinely, I think yeah. what's going to be fun is with this change in structure is we're going to move a little bit away from talking about just shows and movies every episode, but it's going to let us talk about so many more things like all of the cryptids that I want to talk about and all of these, you know, Hollywood starlets that you want to talk about and all of these different things like we have so much more that we can share while on top of still talking about movies and books and TV shows and I'm just excited. I, I think everyone should get so excited because you have so many interesting things to talk about. I have so many interesting things to talk about. 
And in between these interesting things, we are still going to be talking about movies, but I think our goal is to move towards much more random movies and things that we remember watching and like being so interested in growing up. So if anyone else has weird hyperfixations where you can't get that one movie that you watched as a kid out of your head, it haunts you in your dreams at 2 a.m., this is the podcast for you. We'll probably be talking about it here eventually. But yeah, um, that's and also the update. If you want to make sure that we talk about those, send them in to us. Because I want to, yeah. I want to mass like I want everything. And Kirsty and I were talking about this actually a little bit ago. In that she and I consume content so differently, incredibly differently. And I love it because we can take these things and like watch the same movie and have such different perspectives on it. And I just want to consume content in this, like in the same way that you do, but in my own way, like I want to consume and see all these classics and stuff, but, but in my own way, and then we can come together and it'd be great. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. I'm excited. We will share more information as we have it because let's be honest. We're not the most planned out people. Uh, we like a little bit of chaos in our lives, so just a wee bit, just, just a little a bit, wee bit. But yeah, um, if anyone wants to know everything about the list that I have, I do have a list. It's constantly growing. It's a little bit of a choose-your-own-adventure because I have no desire to reread some of the books that are on there, but <laughs> I listed them all out. Um, Tell them your other great discovery this week. The other great discovery, the reason that I'm going to be able to fly through this list before April 19th is because on Spotify Premium, if you pay for Spotify Premium, you get free audiobooks. I did not know that. Who who was the genius who told you this, Kirsty? Who enlightened you? I wish I could. I knew. I wish. It came to me in a dream. A little fairy came and whispered it into my ear. It was Margo. Margo's the one. (laughs) <laughs> it was editor margo i was a little yeah editor margo the fairy who was like hey kersey did you know this podcast margo yeah. was sitting here like fuck you so yeah um audiobooks on spotify so that's how i've been kind of getting through life is with audiobooks and listening to jane Eyre. so it's been great and i can't wait to tell everyone about it and talk to more people about it it's gonna be so great i'm gonna have the best time yep on that note, should we jump in? Should we jump into this? Let's do it. This is going to be, I will say with my notes, this is going to be a shorter episode. This is going to be a bit of a reprieve from the length that we've been hitting <laughs> the last uh, few episodes. We Part of the reason why we also had to make the switch is uh, the episodes were getting so long because we just have too much to talk about so yeah. I, <laughs> told, I told my dad i was like oh yeah this last episode we did was two hours and 47 minutes and he went margo do people even listen to podcasts that long margo that's too long like he was so concerned he was like margo that's too long and i was like okay yeah. <laughs> what do you want me to do about that <laughs> yeah so um <laughs> We are going to be changing structure for that as well because we don't think it's sustainable to ask you, the dear listeners, to and listen. Precious editor Margot. Yeah, I'm precious editor Margot, but like editor Margot Margo is everything. 
editor Margot reached a point in hour nine of editing that episode that said something's got to change here. <laughs> yep. So we got a new structure. We got new format and editor Margot, I hope it's easier for you. Yep. Jesus, take the wheel. And on that note, let's talk about the Quill U tribe. Give us the real history. Oh, real quick note. Yeah. I got a new TV. Since last we recorded, I have a brand new TV and okay. it's a Google TV, which is okay. great because I can log in with all my apps. Everything's there. It will give me recommended videos, which is sometimes great because sometimes it's the ambient reading music. Mm -hmm. It has been Twilight, Eclipse, Twilight parody, other Twilight parody, other Twilight parody that looks like it was shot by like fans in 2007 with like their little camcorder <laughs> at home and their their public high school i am being haunted by twilight so please at least give me the real tribal history so i don't feel like an asshole if it makes you feel better i'm back to being haunted by fred durst that that curse hasn't gone away so we're both being haunted um so yeah, but your haunting yeah. is better i'm just gonna say it right now not these twilight parodies <laughs> not these twilight parodies True. So yeah, I want to talk about, I want to give some information about the Quileute tribe because as we'll talk about today and as we talked about many times, Stephanie did all of the disservices she could have possibly done to the Quileute tribe. So let me just give you a brief overview of the area that we're looking at, okay? Please do. So we are in the state of Washington and okay. Washington has 29 Res Native American reservations, and they also have 29 federally recognized tribes. Is it one reservation per each tribe? Essentially, yes. Okay. So I, I did go through and check. So that's actually a thing is the guy who did this, Isaac Stevens, he was the first governor of Washington. What he really wanted to do was consolidate tribes on reservations. So... I'm going to get in this a little bit, but basically they had to, all of the tribes had to fight to get their own reservations. And there are probably many, many tribes that were consolidated into these 29. So there were probably many, many more. The, the, the Pacific Northwest is, was a very, very populated place for native Americans. It was very huge all up and down the Western coast, essentially. So the Quileute Reservation specifically is located on the Northwestern Peninsula in Clallam County. This is right next to Canada. Like to give you an idea, they could reach out and touch each other. Like they are right next to each other. Okay. The 2000 census showed a population of 371 people on this reservation. So there are 29 reservations but a lot of them have very, very few registered habitants. So like for reference, where I come from, South Dakota has nine reservations, but they each population is at least over like a thousand or pretty close to a thousand. This only a couple were over a thousand, more were in the hundreds, some were even under a hundred. That's so, so small. Yeah. And I will just, make a pause here 
and this is going to be a homework time for the listeners. The Native American reservations, every single one across the board in this country, has the worst structure possible. They, to this day, it is some of the worst housing situations, some of the worst government, like federal government situations, education situations, food situations, because Native American reservations are sovereign states. So what that means is technically the federal government doesn't have a right over them. But our lovely federal government then says, oh, then we don't have to take care of you. And then doesn't give the Native Americans the resources they need to take care of themselves. And so if you want more information on that, I would say, please go research, read more, give more information. I took an entire class in college and it truly, truly opened my eyes about it. And it is one of those things that I, I would burn the country down, no questions asked, if it meant better home and living for Native Americans on reservations and off of reservations, like no questions asked. So to move on, the Quileutes quote unquote settled onto the reservation in 1855. And when I say settled, I mean they were forced onto this tiny little reservation. And the reason why they moved or were forced to move is the Quinault Treaty. So I'm going to give you a quick lowdown on the history of the Quinault Treaty. So the Quinault is actually another tribe in the area. Isaac Stevens, that complete piece of shit that I mentioned earlier, was the first governor of Washington, and he was listed as the superintendent of Indian Indian affairs, a.k.a. he was the one in charge of dislodging and relocating all of the Native Americans in Washington. Gross. Hate him. That man. Hate him. Fuck that guy. So one of the things that he did try to do was consolidate all of the tribes together, like I said. He basically saw them all as the same and just said, you all go over here. He didn't care the different tribes and the different sects and like all the different things like he he didn't give a he didn't give a shit and he was like fuck you guys i hate you all go away and this is why i hope that man is burning in the pittiest pits of hell so in this case for this treaty he was trying to consolidate the quinault the quillute and the ho tribes and the final treaty had 13 articles i'm going to just read a synopsis of a few of those articles so we don't have to go through all of them okay Go for it. In Article 4, the United States promised to pay $25,000 for the land session to be paid over a number of years. So I looked this up. That's a total of $881,454 in today's money. It's not. Say that number again. 881454 to be split among the tribe. That's what the country paid for this land. In, in today, in today, and that's money. in today's money. That's not much money. That is not much money at all. It's not if enough get, money. It's going to get even more annoying because oh, Article great. Five provides an additional two thousand five hundred to enable enable tribes to remove and settle upon the reservation. That is eighty eight thousand one hundred and forty five dollars in today's money. 
across the whole tribe. That's. And again, for context, this is the quote unquote payment for the Native Americans to give up the land that they have lived on for centuries to the white people that showed up. And this is where I get real fucking heated. That's so little money. Can I tell you, can I tell you a fun fact about my state that is something that I love? Now, is it actually, is it actually a fun fact or is it a, you're going to hate it. You're going to hate it. Oh, it's a fun fact. (laughs) You're going to hate it. (laughs) So awesome. Tell me. So we're going to, we're going to zoom into the middle of the country for a second. We're going to go to the Sioux tribes. So there is the Lakota, Nakota, and Dakota that are all tribes that are part of the Sioux Nation. So they owned the land that was the Badlands in the Midwest. This reaches from Nebraska through South Dakota, South Dakota, up to North Dakota. It encapsulates the Black Hills. It encapsulates the Plains. It's a massive piece of land. Like, it's the center of the country. And the U.S. government said, hey, we'll give you this much money for it. I don't remember off the top of my head how much money it is. And the Sioux tribe the Sioux tribe said, no, we don't want it. We want our land. We don't want your money. And the, and the government said, okay, we're going to put it in this fund over here in this bank. Whenever you want it, it's sitting there. Like, it's in there. It's, you want it? And they're like, no, we want our land. Well, so the white people didn't give a fuck. And they came in and they settled on this land anyway. And this land became these states, Nebraska, South Dakota, North Dakota. But technically, 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 that land is still owned by the Native Americans because they never took the money. To this day, millions of dollars is sitting in this account for the Sioux tribe to take. They never took it, which means they never gave over the land. Like, I am curious the exact dollar amount that's in that bank account. Let me see if I can find it. I'm very curious. Um, I will say it's not nearly enough for what the land is worth. I don't know how to feel about that fun fact. Like, oh, oh, what's that face? As of 2011, the Sue's award plus interest was about one billion dollars jesus christ so this government has a billion dollars sitting in a bank account that they're not going to touch because they promised it to native americans who said no and yet the white people came in and took the land anyways like, I don't know what to do with this information. This is why I say I will burn this country to the ground if it means giving Native Americans the everything they want back in this complete in this entire country back. They like when when people chant land back, this is what they mean. I don't know how to feel about that fact. I, I don't. I know. Because that is money that rightfully belongs to the Native people. Mm-hmm. Without having to give up their land, because frankly, at this point, people can't. Frankly, at this it up point, anyway. they should get the land and the billion dollars, and they should, yeah, like, truly. Oh, man. Yeah, and it's and like that's in I, 2011. That's not 
accounting for the subsequent years. So that money is probably worth so much more. Equivalent to about 1.3 to 1.69 billion in 2022. I It truly like I think all it does is show the absolute absurdity that is this federal government. I think it shows the absurdity that is how we treat reservations and native land because that is an insane amount of money to just be sitting there because they said no we don't want your money we just want our land and they said okay the land is ours anyway do you know how much of a difference that would make in different reservations across like that not only that area but the entire country like it's over a billion dollars that would make huge impacts across the country for reservations and it belongs to those people the thing that's really unfortunate like that shot that you and i talked about with jacob's house and like the tarp over the top of it and things like that the very unfortunate thing is that a lot of living situations in a lot of reservations are not the best because they just don't have the funds they there's no money going into the economies because they were a lot of Native American tribes were given casinos and that only works with one tribe in one place. Like maybe a couple others are successful, but like that whole trope of like the casinos on Native American lands, that doesn't work everywhere. It doesn't. Yeah. God, like and and I like I this is all coming off of memory. So if I'm getting things incorrect or I'm saying the wrong things, like please, please correct me. Please. I want Our to next correction corners correct. might be vast, but yeah, but it truly like this is and and again for context of this, like I grew up in South Dakota. My dad has been an advocate for Native American life and education for most of his life and my entire life. I I grew up with very fortunately with a man who taught me respect for these tribes and also the complete injustices that they have gone through, and. So it's it's definitely a passionate thing for me that is just something that I've grown up around. No, absolutely. Yeah. And like, we want to be as accurate as possible on this podcast. So that's why I'm like, Corrections Corner might be big yeah. this time. But I grew up in Colorado, so I'm not saying that I had zero experience with Native people, but I will say I grew up with next to zero. Yeah. Because a lot of the Western aspect of Colorado and the tourism industry focuses a lot on gold mining and the gold rush, because that's kind of why Colorado is Colorado. Mm -hmm. So my perspective comes from a very different point, Mm -hmm. which I don't want to talk about the gold rush. I don't want to talk about Colorado. I mean, I do, but not in like... (laughs) Not in that context, yeah. Not in any way that's important, um, like this one. (laughs) So... yeah. But yeah, dollars. This is something that I know a lot of people are not educated about across this country. It it is one of those things that like they just don't even talk about. And so I would encourage people to find Native American voices to listen to, Native American artists, writers. I have uh, books that I can recommend that I would so highly recommend. Um and it is something I would encourage everyone to learn more about. Um, 
So to get back to these articles, I didn't, I got through two of those articles and then we went through a massive, I should have just prepared everyone to be like, listen, I'm going to go on rants in this episode. This episode is very important to Margo for reasons that we just went over. So don't expect us to be in order. This is still Eternal Part, no. Eternal yeah. Summer Party podcast. Yeah, but also in these rants, I do want to make sure that I'm correct with things. So if I get things wrong, please, 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 please correct me. And I do also want to state for the record, I am white. I have never lived on a reservation. I have been to a reservation. I have never lived on a reservation. I am not going to try to speak for people who are in this situation, people who have lived on reservations. I'm not going to try to speak for Native Americans. I simply want to use my white privilege to amplify their voices and shine a light on on them because that's what they deserve. So yes. to give context to this. So back to these articles from this Quinault Treaty. So Article 6, this is where it gets real spicy. You ready for this? Hit me. The president could at any point, as he deems fit, make a new reservation elsewhere and require the tribes to move there or require the tribes to be consolidated with other tribes on another reservation with all federal annuities also consolidated. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. No, no. Article 8 requires the tribes to, quote, acknowledge their dependence on the United States, end quote, and briefly outlined how crimes would be dealt with. How are crimes going to be dealt with? They're not. So here's another thing that happened in South Dakota during COVID to go back to this, because again, this is the context that I have. So I believe it was the... I don't remember which reservation. It might have been more than one, but there was at least one of the reservations near my hometown. South Dakota never had a statewide shutdown for COVID. People were traveling, touristies, and everything like that. And the Native American tribes said, now fuck y'all, we're shutting down. And that reservation shut down because technically it is a sovereign state and can do that. So for quick context for sovereign states, because I mentioned this before, that means it's technically its own government and the federal government doesn't control it. They work in partnership. So it's also a common thing that if someone is being chased by the police to go to a reservation because the police can't chase them there. So this reservation shut down for COVID. The main highway went through that reservation. But because they shut down, the highway was closed and people couldn't get through. Amazing. And I love it. I'm like, yes, stop this stupid economy. Governor Gnome, I got fucking fists for you. Don't even have words. I got fists for you, woman. So. Anyways, yeah. Uh, Article 13. This is the last one I'm going to talk about. It forbade the tribes from trading at Vancouver's Island or elsewhere outside the Dominion of the United States, nor allowed, quote, foreign Indians to live on the reservation. 
And remember how I mentioned earlier that Canada is right there? Yeah. So the Native Americans never separated this into countries. This was just all one coast to them. They traded with people in that area for centuries. And now they were not allowed to trade with the people that are this close to them. I'm going to be honest. I never really considered, like, there's no physical borders anywhere you go. It's all just land. It's all just land. I I never really truly thought about how when Canada and America became separate countries, for people who had already been living there for centuries... That's not where they drew lines. No. Same thing Never with Mexico. Never considered that. Yeah. Same thing with Mexico. Like, this whole idea, they lived in the Southwest way before we got here. Like, it... I don't even know what to say because I just get so angry thinking about this. Like, white people fucking suck. And it just makes me angry. And imagine... Imagine trying to explain to someone you are not allowed to go knock on your neighbor's door if, to get a cup of sugar because you need it for your recipe and can't run to the store. Imagine like, living somewhere for centuries and then fucking white people show up and they say, hey, we essentially own this land now. We own you now. You have to live on this tiny thing. And oh, see this invisible line right here? You can't go over there anymore. It's now illegal. Based and on we us, don't the even, government, we don't even, we don't even see you as people. You can't speak yeah. our language. We have zero interest in learning your language. But this yeah. invisible line on your land that we drew, we don't give a shit about you. We're not going to deal with crimes or anything on your crime. Don't know her. And that's you're why not everything to- else that I'm about to tell you just gets worse. I would also like to throw in, for the record, Mm-hmm. That the Kalut tribe does not get a single penny oh, from the Twilight franchise. I want to throw worry. it in there. I know, I know you're going to talk pop? about more, but I want to. I, I want to. Yeah. Stephanie ruined my day once, <laughs> so I'm going to ruin her franchise. So here's the wonderful thing, and this is another moment in which I'm like, yes. So after this treaty, most of the Quileute and Ho tribe members refused to move, and so therefore were given their own reservations. So they signed this treaty and they went, no, we're not doing that. And <laughs> so, you, actually. so, so as Boss you even move. had to Fucking give them their it. own reservations, which I love. I'm like, yeah, just keep saying no. So what are you going to do? So I want to give a little bit more history on the Quileutes now. So this is going to be just a, a history section, some information. And again, I highly encourage if you want to know more information Direct Native American sources are the best places to go, hands down, every time. So, a lot of this web information I pulled directly from the Quileute Tribe web website. And their website is simply quileutenation.org. They have wonderful information there. I'm going to go over it a little bit more at the end. But most of this information did come from that website. I have my other list of of sources that I'll list as well in our show notes. So according to the Quileute tribe website, their official origin story is that there was a wanderer, 
wandering transformer named Kwati. There's many different spellings of this. There's like dozens of different spellings of this because this origin story is slightly different for many of the different tribes in the area, but this is the one that the Quileute specifically believe. So Kwati found no people at the mouth of the Quileute River, and so he decided to turn two wolves into humans. Those wolves were the beginning of the Quileute tribe. That is the origin story of the Quileute tribe. Not Stephanie Meyer's stupid fucking bullshit. So the Quileute tribe were mainly fishers and sea mammal hunters. They were very much people of the rivers and the oceans. They lived off of that because they are right on the coast. There is also a very high possibility that the shapes that they designed their canoe was copied into the hull design of the American clipper ship, which was considered to be one of the fastest ships ever created for a long time. Interesting. And this is because they they were people of the, the water and they had these gorgeous canoes that they shaped to be so fast in the water. And they would make them out of the redwood trees. And so, like, it, yeah, you can, they have more information about, like, literally how they used to make the canoes and everything. And it's, I, yeah. But uh, once again, gorgeous. Just another thing that white people stole from the Native Americans. There was nothing original that America, that white people did ever. Cheese, probably. That's about it. Maybe. Now I want to look into where (laughs) cheese was originated. I'm just saying that's the most white person thing I could think of was cheese. That is no, that is the very white person thing. You're right. So they also lived in what they would refer to as big houses. There, there is one 600 foot potlatch house that still exists. That is one of the big houses that they used to live in. These homes would be decorated with elegant carvings and totems all over the outside of it and the inside of it. They were big in carving and decorating in that way. They also raised and bred their own breed of woolly-haired dogs and would use the hair from those dogs to spin into yarn to create blankets. What? I knew that was going to be the one that got you. I read that and I was like, I can't wait to tell Kirstie this. Oh, my. I... I'm, a, I'm very much an animal person, but I'm allergic to cats. So by default, I have to be a dog person. But like, oh, my I'm goodness. I'm also allergic to cats. Yeah, but I don't like being stuffy all the time. I already have other That's allergies. Fair. Anyway, anyway, you love yourself more than me. But dog yes. blanket, dog blankets, dog blankets mm-hmm. with their own special dogs. Can we I go know. visit this? Place? Is this like a place that we can go and visit out of curiosity? Yes. Yes, and I will talk more about oh that gosh. at the end, but but yes. So, in the winter months, they would live together in these big houses in, in, like, groups that they refer to as house groups. And then during the summer, those groups would fragment, and they would move to different places, either upriver to hunt, or they would go downriver to hunt. Like, so they would kind of break apart in the summer months, and then they would come together to live in these houses in the winter months. Because... A reminder, we are way up north. We're right next to Canada. So those winters are brutal. They are tough out there. So they would live together in bigger groups to kind of keep things together, keep everyone warm, 
and these miniature structures kind of came out of those groups and the the hierarchy that they had of the um the tribe kind of came out of who lived in which house group the quillute also have their own language that is still spoken today by their elders and taught in schools oh that's sick as hell this is also so rare <laughs> so the website describes this language as a complex tongue typified by clicked sounds epiglottal stops and tongue twisting strings of consonants with words that would run off the page I'm going to send you something on Discord. Okay. And I'm going to tell you what this means, okay? And you'll see why I'm not even going to attempt saying it out loud. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so this word which is about what 30 letters i would say it means those are the people who think that i am the one who is going to forks so essentially they would put all of these things together into one phrase and it's because they they were it's an oral language and so when they were translating into into writing this is how it came through in writing that makes sense. I feel like, okay, I'm going to, I don't think that this is going to be an episode that has memes, rather more educational <laughs> pictures. Educational I, pictures. There's no way I could pronounce that. Not in a million years. I would need so many coaches. I looked at that and I was like, I'm not, no, no, yeah, I can't. I don't want to butcher that their language. Spelled, that, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. why if you're just speaking orally you don't write anything down everything's oral that makes sense why that is how it would be written down so their language is also one of only five languages in the world that have no nasal sounds so no, for example no m or n and they're also one of the few languages not known to be related to any other language like this is purely built off of themselves that is metal as hell. Holy shit. That is so fucking cool. Isn't that so we cool? We were fucking frogged in Twilight. That would have been insane to hear. Don't even get me started on uh, that. So, yeah. Well, the, I started on it, so join me the in this hell. Quillute elders supervise the compilation of a dictionary and instructional texts that are taught in their schools today. So the students are still learning, like, the basic language for the Quillute tribe, which is huge. So yeah, Amazing. I just thought that was fascinating. I thought that was so cool. So another thing, this one got me. Do you know what one of the most important animals to the Quillute is? Is it a wolf? It sure isn't, it's the salmon. Oh. Yeah, so salmon was very important to the Quileute and actually still is to this day. And they had this ceremony where the first salmon that each family caught, they would take the head and the bones of the salmon and they would return it to the river. And this would ensure that the fish would stay 
healthy and that they would continue to allow themselves to be caught. The tribe still participates in commercial salmon fishing to this day, and they work with many state agencies and the Northwest Indian Fisheries Commission to keep local salmon runs healthy and sustainable. That's Which bad as hell. I thought was Damn. so, so cool that they are actively a part of keeping the salmon culture, like the salmon schools alive. And I, I do think it's really cool that they are keeping that part of their culture alive in modern times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's cool. I like to see ancient traditions adapted to modern times. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so now for some more horrible shit. In 1882, a school teacher named A.W. Smith set up a school in La Push. He forced European culture onto the Quileute tribe by renaming them as names from the Bible. And he also forced American history on them and anglicized other Quileute names. So Yuck. Mm-hmm. Then, ready for more terrible, in 1889, a massive fire was started by a white man who tried to claim this land as his own. And because he couldn't get them to move off and just say that he was claiming it, he started a massive fire. All 26 houses were burned to the ground. This fire destroyed the last carved masks, baskets, hunting equipment, and sacred regalia from pre-contact days. So all of their sacred regalia was burned in this fire by a white man throwing a fucking fit. That's so tragic. Isn't that heartbreaking? I... Uh, why did white men ruin everything? They didn't name who this man was. They're real fucking lucky they didn't. That's all I'm gonna say. No, honestly, I've got two perfectly good fists. I may not know much about Native American history or the sacredness of some of these garments, but I am was a fashion historian, so... And it's their whole history. It's like their history's gone. That's like, say that all we had left of classic paintings was the Louvre, and the Louvre burned down. Like, it's so tragic. Yeah. Yeah. So, to bring the mood a little bit back up again, there is a place, the English name is James Island. The Quileute refer to it as Akalat, which means top of the rock. And this is a very sacred place to the Quileute tribe. It was believed to be a source of spiritual power. And at one point, they would place high-status individuals. So when, when high-status individuals would pass away, they would place these individuals in canoes in the trees on oh, Akalat. And that was like what they would do do you know much about sky burials? Um, I know very little. Okay. And what I do know is based off what I read in the American Girl doll books for Kayla. So <laughs> I want to preface that by saying I know some things through the American Girl doll version of history, but 
American Girl Doll books do love to include like a little factoid actual yeah. history in the back of those books. Yeah. So take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah. So it, it it was very common for it was something that was seen across tribes across the country that they would do sky burials because a lot of Native American tribes believe in the earth as their power and giving back to the earth and becoming one with the earth. And like how they mentioned before with the salmon would allow themselves to be caught. They worked with the earth and the animals. And so when they died, it was a way to go back to the earth and give back to it. You know, we feed off mm -hmm. of the animals and then the animals feed off of us in a way like it's a give and a take. Yeah. So this is like, one of the ways that they would do that and they would put these people on Akalat in reverence of these people because they saw this this mountain as such a sacred place that they said okay these these high status people would end up there so one of the places that is very very sacred to them it also was a great position to be able to defend against any attackers you could see everyone coming and you could be like nope turn around now so they really really saw this as like a gift that they could use to protect themselves yeah no that that makes a lot of sense yeah also this is something that they note um and i want to just reiterate it is important to note that the stories of the quileute tribe shouldn't be referred to as myths or legends because to the native culture they are considered to be true so in the same way that we look at christianity we need to look at the native american stories and this is what they believe and this is okay. their truth and so like in the way that like we would look at any religion or any faith this is the faith that they have so so the stories that they have are not like old folklore stories it's like these are the true genuine stories that they believe so there is a little bit of a distinction between those two okay so now we're going to go on to my favorite slash least favorite section, which is myths started by Twilight, a.k.a. Stephanie's sins. Let's debunk that shit. So first, there are no Quileute legends about cold ones or vampires at all. You know, that makes sense. And part of me is curious where vampire mythology originated from. I can answer this. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay, damn, I didn't realize I was setting you up there. Damn. I guess I found one meme to put in. Okay, so so here's the thing is I can answer this. Short story is it was very um, Eastern European influenced. There's centuries of histories of people being looked at um with vampire history and then there's also a very pinnacle point that we can pinpoint to when the modern vampire came about spoiler alert it was bram stoker however i none of that was influenced on the western ends with native american cultures it was all very eastern european area generation and it yeah. is on my list to do an entire episode to tell you about where vampires came from. So, love it. okay, cool, cool, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, didn't I realize got... I was setting you up to. Knock I know down you like really that. were because I like you ever like I've I rarely have those moments when someone's like, man, I wonder where this came from, and I can be like, I know. <laughs> no, I understand. I love that for you. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> does not to bring us back I, it does not surprise me that yeah. the cold ones is something that stephanie brainchild into her yeah. story so here's another thing so when bella first does her horrible google search of vampires yep she looks up like native american vampires or something like that and there is a so there's a search result for the apot apotemkin and the Apotemkin is actually a genuine monster from Native American mythology that comes from the Maliseet and the Passamakodi tribes. They live on the East Coast, thousands of miles away from the Quileutes. Also, the Apotemkin was not actually a vampire. It was a sea serpent. You named my vampires after the Loch Ness Monster? <laughs> you know, I thought this was going to be a very serious episode where I'm like, I don't want to make any jokes. I want to treat this with so much respect. We can and, make and, jokes like, on gravity. Stephanie's behalf. But no, now that it's like, fuck you, Stephanie, you are an asshole. These are stupid. And you know what? I will be fair to Stephanie. She was not the one who put that in. That was a director choice. So yes. that also has to fall to Catherine. These are also Catherine's sins. Catherine's sins. I will. Sins, if you will. Yeah. Sins, but, if you will. But no, that you Jesus know that Christ. they just searched up West Coast Native American monster. They searched up Native American. They didn't even think West Coast was trying to keep it in the same region. They were yeah. like, what Native bullshit can we throw yeah. in there? Isn't it? Oh, my God. Infuriating. Also yeah, because see the sea serpent monster sounds so fucking cool. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. I was reading some, like, I was finding little different tidbits, and I was like, oh, my God, these sound so, and I, I think I'm going to have to do another, like, show and tell of just the different tidbits of, like, Native American, like, stories and monsters and, like, the different things Please that you do. have. Like, oh, my God. Because I was, like, reaching for it. I was like, this stuff is so much cooler than Twilight. Still a better monster story than Twilight. <laughs> oh, God. That's what we're going to call our horror series. Better monsters <laughs> than Twilight. So I also want to say for the record, just to make it abundantly obvious, Stephanie just completely rewrote the origin story. She just completely rewrote it. Which, at what point do you just say, I'm going to set this story in this section of the world and i understand there's tribe i'm gonna make it up i feel like that's more respectful to be like i'm gonna make it up i mean well we're grown. she essentially did we'll get there so that's true but actually, use a new name you can't this, just the same name this segues me beautifully into the next fun fact that i have which okay. is about jacob's tattoo uh-oh. Jacob's tattoo is a bastardized appropriation of one of the Quileute stories about twin wolves. One of the oh, guys no. attended an event on the reservation and sent it to the woman who designed the tattoo and said, do something with this concept. No. On top of that, they took the art style from a completely different tribe, the Hadia tribe. And... This bastardization was sold as merchandise. Oh my God, I remember that. Speaking about merchandise, <sighs> yeah. as Percy stated before, the Quilu tribe has not received a single cent of revenue from any of the books, movies, 
or merchandise that was made from Twilight or any of the movies or any of the following stories. None of it. And I want to pull up because I looked at this earlier. In 2009, Stephanie Meyer was making $40 million a year from Twilight in 2009. Zero of that was going to the Native American tribe whose cultures she, to say bastardized, puts it lightly. To say appropriate doesn't feel like it covers it. It's, mm. it's It's really frustrating. It's yucky. It should, this episode should not be your favorite episode. This episode should leave a bad taste in your mouth. No. Because that is not something that you should be able to hear, understand that someone had $40 million in 2009 was at the end of an economic disaster, housing crisis, awful. $40 million is an insane amount of money to just take from a culture who has already gone through so much and say, oh, fuck you, is yeah. incredibly disgusting. And, and that is why I say this is Stephanie's sins. Because yeah. I, like, there is no record of her giving any money as a gift of putting them in like having rights to any of it nothing she used their name and gave them no rights to it used their name bastardized appropriated completely fucked up their culture and their history bastardized and appropriated different tribal culture threw it in just to see what would fit her little vampire aesthetic yeah and that's not even going into like some of the very strange undertones that we kind of covered in our past episodes about how they spoke to the native people oh, or the casting choices. Kirsty, I love that. So God, I'm just setting you up like crazy really today. Are. We didn't practice this. Oh my, oh my God. God. We We're just so in sync with each other. Oh my God. So I also found a website on the Burke Museum web, or I found a page on the Burke Museum website that literally dedicate an entire page to talking about the misconceptions with Twilight. Amazing. Which I thought was really, really nice. So one of the things they talked about was Stephanie's descriptions of the Quileute characters, ranging from never attending school, rarely wearing shirts, wearing beat up old clothing, Sam rising as pack leader to be better than his quote, deadbeat dad, Embry becoming a wolf because he got the gene from his father after his mother cheated on her husband. So sowing these ideas of discord and broken families and uneducation and low income. And this is the website actually that also talked about how comparison the Cullens are clean and pristine and a solid family unit and wealthy and white. So even in her descriptions of these characters just beating down and being setting up these horrible stereotypes, and I do want to end this section of Stephanie Sins with a quote 
from this website that I think is just, it was so beautifully written that I just, I want to put the quote in there because it's just better. So, quote from the Birkin Museum website regarding the Twilight Misconceptions says, akin to the representation of other minority groups, American media largely presents Native Americans as overly generalized stereotypes that ignore the diversity of Native nations, cultures, and identities. Because of the pervasiveness of media, even the most subtle stereotypes presented in everything from movies to advertising reinforce inaccurate, oversimplified, and potentially harmful understandings of Native Americans today. End quote. And I think that Stephanie is a perfect example of that. She's reiterating all of these horrible stereotypes of Native Americans just being drunks and deadbeats and poor and broken homes and uneducated in her subtle ways that she described all of the different Native American characters. And Stephanie, it is time for you to repent. representation is so important and it matters not just in we need to have good role models for people to look up to we need to have right versus wrong and like morals blah 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 when you are constantly showing a group of people any group of people in just one way that will fuck you up yeah that that will make you say oh well it's supposed to be this like when you are watching twilight and you see this really long shot of a roof that's you know leaking and has tarps all over it and like isn't well taken care of and it's kind of dingy and you know dirty and then the next shot you have is this giant house with all these beautiful white flowers and all of this money and wealth that no no vampire even with eternal life could possibly need that much it does make you internalize those things and that is such a crime and it is criminal because it's essentially the Cullens who put the wolves in that situation in the first place. If we really want to break it down, it's white people came in and colonized and now we will never move past this idea until we get better representation. But when the representation we have is so bastardized and appropriated, we will never get past that point. Stephanie, yeah. repent you should donate the money that you made from twilight to the quilio tribe quote me 100 percent, i agree every goddamn penny every quote me. fucking penny i you know you what have the I host you got agree. other royalties give the twilight royalties that you make to the tribe they deserve yeah. it so much more than you yeah quote me 100 percent. I had a thought when I was doing these notes, actually, that I I thought that you would absolutely love. And I forgot to bring it up beforehand, but I wanted to talk about how they were they were forced onto the reservation and La Push itself was made in 1855. So they were on the reservation in on 18 in 1855. Mm-hmm. Edward was turned into a vampire vampire in 1910. Um yeah, like 1910 to 1912, I think. Rosalie was like 1920s? Mm-hmm. So by then, the Quileutes had lived on the reservation for 70 to 80 years and were under 
American influence on the reservation already being Americanized and Anglicized, meaning that they were not running around in the woods in their standard tribal gear. They were being dressed like Americans, quote unquote, like white people. Yeah, which again, I didn't have the time frame that you very gracefully just provided to us. Yeah. But I did say this timeline in this shot does not make sense and for this what just, I know about the timeline. And yeah, this just cements it. And this and it just makes cements me it. even angrier. Yeah. Because like, again, it portrays them in such a it portrays the tribe in such a backwards way that then completely erases the horrific history that was actually happening. But had we actually used real life context, that yeah. would make the treaty so much more painful and add so much more interesting drama. Right. And also think about this. They were in that shot. One of them was wearing a carved wolf mask in the movie, which I don't I do not know how accurate that is. But if that was supposed to happen after the 1920s, all of their ancient masks and everything that came from before contact had already been burned. Like, like it, it is insulting on so many levels because first and foremost, insulting to the Quileute tribe. Secondly, absolutely. Stephanie, get fucking better at your timelines. Like, girl. Listen, I know that the entirety of the Twilight series from book one to Breaking Dawn takes place in less than two years. It... Mm, when the opportunity for drama presents itself in a way of you have these people who are already distrusting of white people, the cold ones can come in mm -hmm. and like, you can start this, like you can kind of take the real life history of, we don't have our mass, the fire burned them all who started the fire, but someone fighting against cold ones. So then you can blame the cold ones. So then you have a reason to make a treaty be like, keep the fuck off our land. Yeah, And then you can tie in real life history and tragedy and bring light to that and bring representation. But then Bella also has to kind of grapple with these ideas of like, they suffered for so many other reasons, not even relating to vampires. It makes sense why, especially with the Cullens, if this is supposed to be who the treaties with, why they are so hesitant, why they hate them so much. Mm, mm. Yeah. It, Stephanie fucked up. God, let me rewrite the Twilight series. <laughs> <laughs> there was another section that talked about how there is a trope of the white woman falling in love, in love with a Native American. Yeah. And the Native American falling in love with the white woman and the white woman just sees it as hospitality. And the Burke Museum website does talk about that. Again, I would so highly recommend reading that article and reading other articles about this. But if we if we solidify that that happened in the 1920s, that means that in 2004, there were people who could have been alive who still would have been there the first time the Cullens were there. Which is another thing I said. Yeah. It doesn't make sense why that. they would come back like, to Forks that quickly. And the timeline doesn't make sense. They've not been yeah. gone for long enough. And it's also horrifying to think about this is only maybe three generations removed. Everything that the Quileutes went through was in 1855. That's l like what, if I'm doing the math correctly in my head, 170 years ago? 
Yeah, about. That is so recent in the context of the world. And that's another thing that I think we need to talk about and just like state for the record. The United States is young, which means all of the horrible things that happened to the Native Americans across this country happened within the last 300 years, which is nothing in the history of the world. That's recent. It's incredibly recent. Yeah. Should we move on to some wonderful things? I think, yeah, hit me with some wonderful news, some wonderful okay. things. So I want to talk about the modern day Quillu tribe. Despite all of the horrible things that we just talked about, the Quillu tribe remained kind and welcoming. They have an open healing circle slash drum group that happens every Wednesday beginning at 6 p.m. and anyone can attend. They also have all of their events listed on their website. I was looking at it. They have a Quillute Elders Valentine's dinner coming up. And I just think that is so cute. I know. I love it. So despite having to fend off waves of tourists, they have put together special presentations for these tourists. They welcome everyone in who wants to see the reservation. And again, reminder, this is a small reservation. We're looking at a population of 370 people in 2000, and it has not grown much since then. They had to fend off literal waves of tourists that came from people like Twihards that wanted to see this area because of Twilight. There's a picture on the Burke Museum website of, they say, this, this one of the tribe members is giving a presentation to a ton of white people sitting around him on Bella's birthday is what's in quotations. All these people showed up to this reservation on September 13th. And they had to be like, all right, like, and I think that that just is like, they could shut this all down and they could be like, fuck you guys, don't come on our reservation. Like, and they're still being kind and welcoming and teaching about their culture. And like, they haven't gotten a fucking cent from this. And the fact that they are still doing that, I just like. Mm. That. Like, it warms my heart that they are so welcoming and that we can go and learn about their culture and we can go and see things with our eyes. I love to be able to go to cultural sites and see things and yeah. see how you did it, like how they did it traditionally and what life was like and see the original buildings and see their original homes. I find that shit fascinating. Yeah. And that, it makes me happy that that is something that we can do. Um, yeah. If if I may, anyone who wants to go, uh, please be so respectful and try to tamper down that twi hard. Maybe be a twi I, hater. Yeah. And I, I also want to say like, you know, they, this boosted the economy of Forks, Washington, like, which was a, a dying town, essentially boosted the economy. So now it's booming. It did not do the same for the reservation. The reservation has had to essentially deal with these massive waves of people showing up on their reservation that they were again forced on by white people that they're just trying to live on that I don't know the the living conditions of so I'm not going to speak on it but just be aware that living conditions are not the same as posh you know suburban homes and they're they're doing it with open arms and I just think that like fuck Stephanie Meyer man 
So I do want to say the current council members on the tribal council, which that was another thing that they talked about. The, there is a genuine tribal council. They don't meet around a fire pit. It's not just a bunch of people telling stories. The gen, there is a genuine tribal council. They are Douglas Woodruff Jr., Tony Foster, Skylar Foster, Justin Rio, Jamie, and James Salazar. So there's the official tribal members. They have their information on the website. The Quileute Nation website also has a children's story and coloring book that tells the stories about Raven the Trickster that can be downloaded for free. They also That's have adorable. I know, right? They also have resources to learn their alphabet and some common words and phrases that you can learn on their website. That's fantastic. I know. And I, I just wanted to share that and I wanted to share what they give. And, you know, you can go read the stories of Raven the Trickster and you can learn their alphabet, some of the common words of their language, which again is a very rare or very, you know, unique language. And if you go visit them, be respectful, be mindful, and learn about their culture. And yeah, I think that, yeah, they, they deserve about 40 million a year since 2009 and then some. Yeah, honestly, um, native people deserve their land back. They deserve the money the government promised them, uh, but more money? They were not given nearly enough back in the no. day. No, uh, The billion dollars that's just sitting in the bank should go to the people. Um, Not really sure how to end it, except for go look at that website. Please go engage with your local tribes as well. Art, yeah. history, culture. It's really important that we keep that alive. Don't let it die out. It's on you, man. And find, learn about it. Listen to native voices. One of my favorite things that when I use TikTok, I found so many different Native American hoop dancers and artists and painters and Native American culture, like the quote from the Burke Museum, every tribe has their own rich history and stories. And it's it's all so beautiful to learn. And if you take the time to sit and, and learn with it, and I'll have the sources listed in the description. If anyone is interested, I will absolutely shout out a couple books that I've read in my history of books written by Native American authors that I highly recommend. Go find others. And yeah, you know, take this as a launching a launching pad to learn more about the people and the land that you're currently living on. So, yeah. And that's my show and tell. How'd I do? That was a great show and tell. Thank you for you sharing. Know. Yeah. Um, you want to tell us the socials? Because let's leave. <laughs> wrap it up i don't know how to end i don't know how to end these show and tells that was I, yeah let's let's figure out um i'm trying to think it's one of the podcasts i listen to they do a thing where they're like what did you learn today <laughs> you just learned a lot today yeah i just learned a lot um what was my I, i'm gonna tell you my favorite thing yeah tell me the favorite thing that you learned 
My favorite thing is the dog blanket. I, I knew love it was going to be the dog blanket. Dog. They yeah. have a special dog, and they said, "I love my dog so much. I'm going to make a blanket out of my dog." And I'm especially yeah. They specially bred the dogs to be able to because it's so oh, cold, you know. And they they're people it who is. live on the river, and so like they don't, you know, yeah. like it. And they also mentioned like. They were so good at basket weaving and making watertight baskets that they would weave the baskets for kettles and water oh, wouldn't wow. leak out of them. And like these intricate carvings. I was I was thinking about the fucking wolf bracelet that Jacob carved. And I was like, intricate carvings. Then you've got that fucking wolf bracelet. I'm like, this is, again, a disservice to this culture. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? You know how we end this? We end this by saying we close the book on Twilight. <laughs> we We're are done, done we with are the... We are free. We are done. We've made it. And I think that it's really important that we end this on this topic of being like, hey, there are real world ramifications yeah. about this story. No, I think that was a great way to close the book on Twilight. Close the um, book on I loved learning about those dogs. I love that. <laughs> I do. Um, I loved hearing about how they are so welcoming that we yeah. can go and like visit and learn. I think that's amazing. Yeah. It truly like reading their website, they were like, come visit us. And I'm like, are you I sure? Hope, <laughs> I hope all of the elders have a really good Valentine's Day event. I hope so too. I hope they have a lot of fun and it's romantic and sweet and they get to hold hands. And I hope they have really good food. Yeah, I hope that they, it is a banger dinner. I hope that dinner is a banger amazing. dinner. Banger dinner. Michelin star I'm, quality. That's what I'm dinner. hoping for them. That's what I want. I'm manifesting it for them. So yeah. To wrap it up, uh, if you want to tell us your thoughts, tell us other story suggestions, other topic suggestions, movies, books, whatever you want. Give us those suggestions. You can reach us at Eternal Slumber Party Pod on Instagram and Threads, or you can email us at Eternal Slumber Party Podcast at gmail.com. Also, yeah. any corrections, please also send. I want, yes. please, if I got anything wrong, please, 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 please tell me. I will correct Please that. send us corrections. Send us reviews. We will read them on air. Please remember to be respectful and kind to people. If you want to be mean to me, that's funny. I can take it. Be nice to everyone else. Um, including I, me. I can't. Yeah, including Margot. I have a very thick skin. I love to laugh at myself. I'll probably make a meaner joke anyways. So I don't mind whatever you want to say in your review. Please be nice to Margot. She edits the podcast and does a really wonderful job. So you can only say nice things about her or correct her, but correct her in a respectful way. Yes. If you liked this podcast, send this to someone that you would like to go visit the different tribes with, go learn some cultural history and go on a fun little educational adventure. If you hated this podcast, then you are essentially Stephanie Meyer. Uh, send it to your worst enemy. I don't know a really funny way to end it. This one felt like a serious episode, so I don't have a funny joke. I'm sorry, <laughs> but make it a great fish day or not. The choice is yours. Make it a great fish day. Make it a great fish day. Have a great fish day. Have a great fish day. How do I end this podcast? Usually say remember. have a great fish day. Have a great fish day or not.
You know what? Make it a good fish day. Fate is in your hands today. <laughs> Choose your own adventure. <laughs> oh.